Colossians chapter 1 this morning. That was a wonderful tool. Very well done. And I appreciate Brother Garraway making that available free of charge. I would expect uh, that's probably awesome. Would you think 50, 60 hours of work to put a video of that quality together to edit it all and do the message and plan the sermon that goes with it and everything. And uh, to give that away freely, we, we appreciate that so much. Somebody said this, in times of war, you don't sell bullets. And I think that's appropriate. We, uh, we're in war, a spiritual battle. And we're not here to sell bullets. We're here to give away the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we will put that on the church blog. If you know how to do that, uh, you will be, if you are subscribed to the church blog, you'll just get an email and you can forward that to whoever you want. But on the church blog, I'll also put a link for the YouTube uh, version of it. And on the, underneath our YouTube video, it says share. And you can click on share and it'll give you all kinds of different ways to share it. Facebook or Twitter or different social media platforms. It'll also allow you to copy the link. And when you hit copy, it's already on your clipboard. And you can just throw it into an email or a text. And you can send that off to somebody. If you're having trouble with any of that, you ask Art McCall. He'll show you all that computer stuff. I know he loves computers. And so let's, let's take our Bible this morning, Colossians chapter 1. But it is a great tool. And if you know how to use it, go ahead and use it and share that. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't really know how to share the gospel. I'm pretty sure most of us know how to Facebook and email and all the rest, so there's an opportunity for you. Colossians chapter 1, I want to talk this morning for a few minutes about two different things. Two different things. I want to talk about having the peace of God. Then I want to talk about having peace with God. There's a difference. Sometimes as believers, we talk, well, I have peace with God, or I have the peace of God, and we maybe use it interchangeably, but there's two different things, and I, I want to say this, you'll never have the peace of God unless you have peace with God. Well, that's an absolute fact. But as a child of God today, you ought to have the peace of God. You ought to know the peace that passes understanding. We're going to look at that topic this morning, and I'll give you some things from Scripture to help you understand how we can have the peace of God as believers in Christ Jesus. But today, also, I want to spend a moment at the end, and if you're not trusting in Jesus Christ, if you don't have peace with God, that's the most important peace you can have. That's more important than having, we can go through, we can survive this life being nervous and scared, and I mean, it's not the best way to live. It's not abundant living. It is not peaceful living by any means, but you can survive it as long as you have peace with God. But you will die in your sins and be lost to an eternal torment in hell if you don't have peace with God. And so we want to look at both of those today. Let's, let's look first of all at Colossians chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 12 together. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. And the Bible says, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And I'm going to give you a challenge this morning, and I would challenge you to do this. Uh, I challenged the earlier crowd as well. Whenever you see something in the Bible that says what we used to be and what we now are, put a little star beside it. Those are wonderful reminders of what we used to be and what we are now because of the grace of Christ. Verse 13 is one of those verses. Look what it says. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. 
And he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. How many of you get the idea so far that Paul is trying to impress on the church of Colossae, hey, you better know this Jesus. Somebody here today? Anybody here this morning? You better know this Jesus because all things have been created by him. And by him, all things consist. You know, do you know what that means? All things were created in the beginning, but all things continue because of him. You are not guaranteed your next breath unless Jesus comes along and says, go ahead and take another breath. You consist by Jesus Christ. We, we live day by day by his grace. And so Paul is impressing upon the, who is, who is this God? Who is this Christ? Well, you found redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of the sins. He is the image of the invisible God. You got to see him, the, the glory of who he was because he was God made flesh. And then the Bible says in verse 16, for by him, all things were created, heaven and earth, everything visible and invisible. And he says, all things in verse 17, by him consist. And he is the head of the body, verse 18, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things, he might have the preeminence. Hey, listen, don't ever forget that. Don't ever try to steal God's glory. He has the preeminence in all things. When we come into the church, Bethel Baptist Church, understand this, and I'm not talking about some denomination. We are the church of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about the Latter-day Saints. I'm talking about Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He created the church. He is the head of the body. And, and, and he is to have the preeminence in all things. We are to sing only about Jesus Christ. Listen, in the early service, I was teasing folks. Understand this. The 830 service, people are pretty sleepy. You get that, right? Some of you are pretty sleepy here at 1030. I, so you understand how much harder that would have been two hours ago. And so I said to him, I said, listen, sometimes in junior church, we sing that song, Alive, Alert, Awake, Enthusiastic. It has zero spiritual value whatsoever, none. I said, but we're going to have to pull it out and sing it because we're all dead here this morning. But here's the truth. That's not stuff we ought to be singing about in church. He is the preeminent one. We are to make much of Jesus. We are to glorify him, so let him have preeminence in the church. Verse 19, for it pleased the Father... That in him should all fullness dwell. And having, look at verse 20, it's our theme today. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. So put another star by verse 21. That's another one of those verses. You were once aliens, but now you are reconciled to God. You were once outside of God's graces, but by his grace and through faith, he welcomed you in, and now you're a child of God, part of a heavenly kingdom. You have a home prepared and a place forever with Jesus Christ. And so mark that in your Bibles. Why? Because of verse 20. And go back there. He made peace through the blood of his cross. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would awaken us today to those things that you would teach us. That your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, that you would move among us. Father, we desperately need to hear from you. 
Father, I, I don't want to waste time coming to church and singing about something else, preaching about something else. But Lord, may we just truly grab a hold of the principles of the word of God today. Part of abundant life is that we might have the peace of God. As the Father, speak to us and help us today, we pray. I need your help. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the words to say. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We sing an old gospel song, you have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed, but you cannot have rest. I wonder sometimes how many of us wander around wondering, will I ever have peace? Will I ever have peace? People just seem to wring their hands in this world wondering what is their next step? You know, for the child of God today, we've been offered something by God that, that far surpasses anything of value on this earth, and that's peace. I think if we were to examine our lives and get right down to the very basics, a lot of us would say, you know, a lot of the things that we have, we really don't need. As we get older, we understand as kids, how many, how many of you are old enough to remember the Sears Christmas catalog when it came out? You remember that? How many of you circled things in there that you wanted for Christmas? I mean, we tore that thing up. Every Hot Wheels thing you could find, every race car, every remote control, we circled it all. I mean, we just dug through that thing and tore things out and pasted them on the fridge so parents would see them. And I, I mean, that was, uh, but I gotta be honest with you, as I got older, I learned it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I realized I didn't need anything. My kids will say, well, dad, what do you want for your birthday? Nothing. What do you want for Christmas? I don't need anything. If I need it, God takes care of it. And as parents will often say something like this, you know what I'd like? I'd just like all my family home for dinner. Because we've come to realize that the most important things in life are not the things that we have. It's those other blessings that God gives us. I'm glad when we say, when we, when we can say, well, I got a full belly and I'm healthy and I've got a roof over my head, we're fine, we're blessed. God has truly been good to us. One of those things that we really need in this life is peace. Oh, the rat race out there can be so stressful and full of things, but more than that, life situations just throws things at us, don't they? Last Sunday night, we mentioned two prayer requests. One for my cousin Donna, one for Tiffany Robbins' uncle. Both of them passed away this week. Wasn't expected. I'll talk about that more later on in the message. But both of them passed away. I was praying for a little girl named Scarlett Johnson. Brother Kevin was praying with me. And a little four-year-old girl that... Just about two, three weeks ago, she'd been battling cancer for a while, and about two or three weeks ago, they, they said, we noticed that she was doing so much better and feeling well, and we thought, this is wonderful. And we went to the doctor to, for one of her follow-up visits, and they said, oh, the reason she's feeling better is because the chemo is actually not having any effect on her anymore. They said she, she was sick because of chemotherapy, but they said where we took the kidney out is all filled in with a cancerous tumor. They said she might have two months. Three weeks later, just yesterday, she went home to be with the Lord. Four years old. That'll steal your joy in a hurry, won't it? 
I follow her grandfather a little bit on Twitter. I watch his Sunday reports. That's what I enjoy, hearing about people being saved. And, and just I can see the grief in that family. They want peace today. They want peace. I want to tell you that the Bible offers us that peace through Jesus Christ. I want to look at four things today that we can have. First of all, the peace of God. To have the peace of God. Colossians chapter 1 tells us that he hath made peace by his blood. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he did a couple things for us. He, he did a million things for us. But two of the things in regards to peace is he offered us the peace of God. We can now be at peace on this earth because we have a relationship with our creator. We have been reconciled to God the Father through Jesus Christ. He paid the price. But we can also be reconciled and have peace with God. We'll look at both of those today. Let's look first of all at having peace of God. How can we know the peace of God? I want you to notice first of all and turn to another scripture with me. Just back a few pages to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, I want you to notice, first of all, we can have a sustaining peace. A sustaining peace. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, notice what it says with me. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now we often quote that verse, don't we? A peace that passes all understanding. The kids sing in Sunday school, his band rovers me is love. I got the peace that passeth understanding down deep in my heart and joy, joy, joy. We sing all these songs. We try to cram those words in there. And we all know the first part of that verse, the peace that passeth understanding. But notice what the next part of the verse says. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's a sustaining peace. You know, I, I've watched people and, and some of the struggles that they go through. I was, I was thinking uh, just recently of, of uh, Pastor John Jenkins. And Pastor Jenkins, I was sharing with you earlier that he has a son named Brandon who was about 30 years old. And Brandon, I, I didn't know him. I'm sorry, I'm tripping over something. I, I didn't know him that well. And, and my wife taped those wires down so I wouldn't trip over them. And then I went and did it anyway. I don't know Brother Jenkins very well, but he pastored in Gaylord, Michigan for many, many years and had a Bible college there and been doing a great work for the Lord. And, and uh, now I believe he's over in Maryland. And uh, so he had a son about 30 years old. And I said to Calvin Allen one day, I know they're friends. I said, what's wrong with his son? I know he's got these heart problems, but he's only 30. Is he, does he need a transplant? Is, what, what's going on? He says, I, I don't really remember, but I believe he had a car accident years ago and he did damage to his heart. And he's never, ever, and they said for a while they thought he was doing fine and he got married and, and everything, but now things have gone bad and he needs a heart transplant. Well, before he could get a heart transplant, Brandon went home to be with the Lord. Just 30 years old, young wife. And that's a tragedy, that's a terrible thing. But then just a couple months later, Brother Jenkins' daughter, married to a pastor named James Hogg, H-O-G-G-E, and their little guy, about four years old, they said he's got a tumor. It goes from his kidney all the way up through his belly. And they showed a picture, and he's just distended. It looks just all... And they said he literally was at the doctor three weeks ago, and they found nothing. 
They said, this thing has grown so quickly. It's incredible. They did a massive surgery. It was hours and hours and hours. And I remember saying to my wife, how much can this family take? When will they have a little peace? Praise the Lord, that tumor came back benign. They said, we never expected that. They knew for sure it was cancer to grow that quickly, but it came back benign. Praise the Lord. But before those tests come back, I just kept thinking, how much can that family take? Here's what the Bible says. We can have a peace that passes understanding. You, you, you just, you can't get it. What's holding them up? Because we have Jesus Christ keeping our hearts and our minds. I remember years ago in Missouri, a song that was sang in church, and it was uh, back in those days, you know, 25, 30 years ago, songs often had a kind of a ballad feel to them. They told a story. And this song told the story of a homeless man and how he was on the corner and he was looking for handouts and people were passing him by, kind of like in the story of the Good Samaritan. Finally, somebody stopped by to talk to him and he was hurting and, and, and in a lucid moment, because everybody thought he was crazy, he began to talk. And he says, you know, the night that a drunk driver crossed the yellow line and killed my wife and children, I completely lost my mind. The song goes on to talk about how they introduced him to the Jesus Christ and, and all the rest, but the truth is this. Without Jesus Christ, we don't have a promise of our minds and our, our being kept by Christ. But it is a stabilizing factor in our life. It is a peace that God, only Jesus Christ, can give, and we don't understand it, but he promises to keep our minds Listen, some of the stress in this world, it's designed to make you go crazy. The devil would destroy you if he could. But having a relationship with Jesus Christ, walking and talking with him intimately, it upgirds us and it strengthens us and it sustains us. The Bible says this, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. It is a sustaining peace. But there's some conditions to it. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. Don't waver. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Make sure you understand this, that your relationship with the Lord is the number one thing in your life. You know, you can have a relationship with other people. I can have a relationship with Kevin. And the truth is, later on, he's going to make fun of me for tripping over that wire. I just know him. He's going to do that. He'd have laughed harder if I fell on my face. He'd have enjoy, you'd have enjoyed that, wouldn't you? You sure would. Some friend, huh? But there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And while Kevin's laughing at me, and I love Kevin, and, and if he fell, I'd laugh at him too, right? The Bible says we're not to laugh at somebody else's calamity, but we always do it. While he's laughing, the Lord would be picking me up. You mean physically? No, no, no. I mean just he'd be encouraging my heart. Be strengthening me, sustaining me. Because that'd be embarrassing. But the Lord would be there. We are to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, 
don't waver. Listen, when we waver in our relationship with the Lord, that's when the devil attacks. And that's when we lose our peace. But stand fast. Verse 2, I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help these women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. He's starting to save people. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. You want to have peace? Rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord always. The Bible says, in everything give thanks. It doesn't say for everything. It says in everything. In every trial, in every circumstance, we're still to be thankful to the Lord for what he's done for us. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And let me say this. When it comes down to this relationship, I have learned something over the last decade or so. Listen, you can, you can read your Bible every day and you can go to church faithfully and you can pray as much as you want and it will draw you close to the Lord and you'll have a relationship with him. But let me say this. I never realize how much closer you can get to the Lord when you start worshiping properly. Worship is a bad word in a lot of Baptist churches, and I don't know why. Let everything have breath. Praise the Lord. The Lord inhabits the praise of his people. And I've learned that when I worship God properly, oh, there's just, there's just a fellowship there. There's a sweetness there. There's times where this church will praise and worship God and, and I'll get up and I'll think, man, I, I could open any page in the Bible and preach right now because I can just feel God's presence and his fullness because we've worshiped him properly. But it draws us to him. And why wouldn't it? And why wouldn't it? There's a story in the Song of Solomon. I never thought about this in the earlier service. The Bible talks about this lady in this, it's a romance, Right? A lot of you men skip Song of Solomon, but the gospel's in there. And her beloved comes to the door, and she is already, the Bible says she's put off her shoes, and she's put on her night clothes, and she's laying in bed. And he comes to the door, and he calls unto her, and she says, I have put off my shoes, and I've gone to bed. And so she doesn't get up. But he takes his hand, and he puts it over the keyhole. You remember this story? I can't picture keyholes in the Bible, but there was. And he puts his hand over the keyhole, and she can smell his fragrance. And so she jumps up, and she changes her clothes, and she probably fixes her hair. And, and how many of you ladies know she probably put her makeup on, right? And she ran to the door, and she throws the door open, but he's gone. So she goes out into the streets looking for him. And she says, have you seen my beloved? And she comes to a group of ladies and she says, have you seen my beloved? And nothing happens. But then she says, have you seen my beloved? For he is sweet to me. And she begins to describe him and tell about all of his wonderful attributes. You know what happens? Her beloved hears and draws close to her. That's a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we praise him, he draws close and inhabits the praises of his people. It's a sustaining peace. But the Bible says we are to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Listen to this, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, 
But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We are to have a prayer life. We are to worship him. We are to draw closer to him. And we will have a sustaining peace that passes all understanding. I want you to notice, secondly, it's a settling peace. Colossians chapter 3, turn there if you will. Just forward a few pages in your Bible. Colossians chapter 3, we see secondly this morning that this peace that passes understanding is a sustaining peace, but it is also a settling peace. The Bible says in verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your in your hearts, to the which you're also called in one body, and be ye thankful. He said, what, is, what does that mean? Let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Listen to this. The word rule literally means there to, to settle a difference. It means we navigate all life situations by allowing God's peace to be the determining factor. So, so what do you mean Practically. Here's what I mean. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And so I have a problem. Uh, Neil and Hilda come into my office and they're having their first knockdown, out, drag down fight as a married couple. I mean, they're mad at each other. Can you picture that? How many of you think Hilda wins? I mean, they're mad. And they say, Pastor, you got to settle this for us. You say, well, how do we settle it? We have to let the peace of God. In other words, we're saying, what is it going to take to make peace in this situation? I'm not talking about, Neil, we want you to get your way, and we don't want, Hilda, I'm not talking about how do we get to get what you want, and how do we make it so that both of you are happy? No, no, no. How do we pursue peace in this situation? Neil, would it be better off that, no, maybe you shouldn't buy that new Ferrari? Because you just bought a house and your wife's concerned about the mortgage payments. And maybe the peaceful thing here is to say, let's just let that go. Why don't I rather be defrauded? Why don't I seek peace? That, that's what it means when it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Do, do you know what we obviously do? Some, our flesh does. I want this and I want that. And I, I'm going to put me first rather than my spouse first. That's not the way of peace. The way of peace is always putting others first. Let the peace of God rule or decide for you. That's what it means. Let it make the decision. Let peace take control of your life. You know, sometimes there's things that we need to do as a church. And I, uh, we, we sat down with my staff a year ago and I said, guys, listen, here's what we need to talk about today. We have got so much going on as a church I said, I'm concerned that you're never seeing your families. What is it we need to let go of? He said, wait, what? My staff were suffering. We were working them 80 hours a week. Every night we were out doing something. I said, what is it we need to let go of? You remember that meeting, Paul? I said, sometimes we, we're looking for the big splash and we're looking for the big numbers and we're looking for the big programs we need to seek peace for your family. Let the peace of God rule. Let it settle things. Let it be the determining factor in your life. And I pray that if you get something out of this message today, you'll go home and you'll say, you know what? I, I, I've got this thing I've been laboring over and praying over. How do I make the decision? Which is the peaceful one? Which is going to bring peace to my family? Which is going to bring the peace of God in my life? And seek after peace. Peace. 
Mark chapter 9 verse 50 says, have peace with one another. Can you imagine the disputes that would be settled if we sought peace with our brethren? Matthew 5 verse 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Knowing the peace of God is a sustaining peace, it's a settling peace. But I I need you to get this, John chapter 14, turn there. John chapter 14, it is a spiritual peace. You see, where does this peace come from? It comes from God. It is a spiritual peace. If you walk spiritually, if you walk with Christ Jesus, you'll know this peace. John chapter 14, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ gives us this famous passage. He's telling his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. Sometimes I think the disciples missed most of that verse there. He says, let not your heart be trouble. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And on and on. And all they heard was, I go. That would be hard to hear. They didn't hear their mansion. They didn't hear about the streets. They heard, I go. I go. And so Jesus, trying to settle them, says in John chapter 14 and verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It is a spiritual peace. Understand this, it is a peace that Christ himself has imparted. He says, I'm going, but the Holy Spirit's coming. And when he comes, he's going to give you a peace. Not peace like the world can give. Not peace like the world can give. I I see this all the time. Somebody has lost a loved one, and somebody will say, sending hugs. Sending hugs? What is that? You're in my thoughts. Whoopee. What good does that do? Yeah, I'm on your thoughts because you're looking at my page on Facebook. What? What are, you know what they're saying? I'm afraid to say out loud that I'm praying for you. Hey, pray for me. Pray for me. That actually has some benefit. You're talking to the creator of this world. Your thoughts do nothing for me. You can't give me peace. So you can come and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sending hugs your way. And they put a little teddy bear, the hug thing on the, oh my goodness. Sending good thoughts your way. How do you do that? Is that like Star Trek or something? I don't know. Sending thoughts your way, positive vibes. Hey, you know what that is? That's the peace the world has to offer. Jesus said, not as the world gives. None of that nonsense. I'm giving you a real peace. The Holy Spirit of God's gonna come into your life and he's gonna comfort you and he's gonna turn your eyes heavenward and you're gonna cry out, Abba, Father. And you're gonna know a relationship with him. That's real comfort. To know the peace of God is a spiritual peace. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We have peace through knowing Christ. 
Galatians 5.22 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. I want you to notice, fourthly, knowing the peace of God, it is a sanctifying peace. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Now look at verse 23 with me. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I'm just going to read to there for the sake of time. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Does anybody here know how many titles or names of God there are in the Bible? Does anybody remember? I don't know. I'm not, I'm, it's not a trick question. I don't know. We've, we've shown that video a few times, the names of God. You remember that video? Do you know it's 13 minutes long and it just goes one name right after the other, <laughs> right through Genesis through Revelation? I don't even know if it gets them all. The son of righteousness, the son of man, God Almighty. I, I mean, on and on it goes, all the names. Are, and listen, do you know which one he chose to use here when he's talking about our sanctification? The God of peace sanctify you. I got thinking about that and, I, and I, I think I understand. I begin to pray, Lord, what's that mean? The God of peace sanctify. Here's what I believe it means. The word sanctify means to set apart. The moment God sets you apart and puts his name upon you and says you belong to me, boy, there's a certain peace in that. I've been to restaurants where they have little reserve signs on the table. You ever seen that? Reserved. I've, I've driven down the street and I've seen houses that were for sale have a sold sign. That means that somebody has made the down payment or somebody's made a call and reserved a table that is set aside for somebody. But I've also reserved a motel room and when I got there, they said, we're sorry, we didn't think you were coming, so we gave it to somebody else. And we ended up sleeping six of us in a, a room with a double bed and four kids on the floor because they gave our room away. I'm here to tell you that the reservations or the deals of this world aren't near as secure as this sanctification. The Bible says he would seal me with his Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. He'll put his name upon me. I am a child of the king. And when I am sanctified, there is peace because I'm a child of God. Things of this world don't matter anymore. This world is not my home. Last Sunday night, we mentioned prayer for my cousin, Donna Vank. Donna is the daughter of my great aunt, Aunt Lola. Aunt Lola was my favorite aunt. She was crazy. She was so much fun, just a great lady. We loved her very much. And she died five years ago. And uh, Donna's had health problems for a long, long time. She's had, she survived cancer three different times. And back in the early 80s when they gave her chemotherapy, they had to run it through her heart and they damaged her heart in the chemotherapy process, and she's had open-heart surgery before, but she was waiting on a valve replacement, and her kidneys started giving her trouble. And the doctor says, we're going to put you on dialysis for a couple days, and we're going to let your kidneys rest so that you can, your, your kidneys can strengthen, and you'll be ready for the surgery, and they, she said, okay, and so they did that, and then Tuesday morning, they came to her, and they said, you know, your kidneys really aren't coming around. They're just not getting any better, and we don't understand why. You've never had any kidney trouble before. 
They said, but the problem is, is you can't have open heart surgery on dialysis. And if we take you off the dialysis, you're going to have kidney failure because they just, they've completely stopped. They said, we can keep you on dialysis for a while and see what happens. We can keep you comfortable, but right now there's nothing we can do. She says, well, I guess this is what I'll do. She says, I will spend the day today calling my family and my, my grandkids. She had about 10 grandkids. She says, I'll call my daughter. My daughters will come in. They'll spend the day with me, and I'll call all my grandkids and talk to them. And she says, and then this afternoon, once I've got a hold of all my family, she says, you can turn the dialysis off, and I'll go home tonight. She was a child of God. She knew Christ. I didn't know that until my grandmother died six, 17 years ago, and I, I preached the funeral, and she wrote me a beautiful letter thanking me for preaching the gospel to her family. And so I heard this story, and they said, well, if we turn the dialysis off, it'll still be a few days, and you'll have some time to talk to your family. And she says, no, the Lord told me I'm going home tonight. And she did. They weaned her off dialysis, and about midnight, they put her in a private room, and by 4 a.m., she had slipped into eternity. I called her husband, Rick, that afternoon, allowed him to get home, and he had some sleep, and then I called him that evening, and I said, hey, Rick, and he began to talk, and Rick, he's, he should be a preacher, because he can take a minute to a half hour, no problem. And he was just talking and talking, and he said, you know, he says, I, I, my mom and dad died and they didn't know Christ. And he says, is it ever different? Is it ever different when somebody knows the peace of God? When they know. He said that when they know the peace of God. And as soon as he said it, I thought, I know what I'm preaching Sunday morning. The peace of God. She was his child. They said that they believe the same things we believe. They believed enough to go to heaven. She trusted Jesus Christ as her personal savior. I don't know all the, I didn't ask for a doctrinal statement. But I was thankful for Rick doing his very best to share Jesus Christ at the funeral yesterday. Boy, to be sanctified, set apart as God's child, there's a peace about that, to know him. But friends, you have to know him. You have to have a relationship with him. You have to walk with him. The Bible says walk in the spirit and we'll fulfill not the lust of the flesh. Why? Because when we walk in the spirit, we'll have the peace of God. Because to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We've talked about knowing the peace of God. Let me say this and we'll be done. But do you have peace with God? You have peace with God. Mankind has been trying to make peace with God since Adam and Eve. You remember Cain and Abel? Abel took a firstling of the flock and he made a blood sacrifice and he took it to God, but Cain took all the vegetables and the fruits that came out of the ground and he offered them to God and he said, this will make peace with God, but it didn't. It takes blood. Remember what the Bible says in Colossians 1, we read in verse 12 through 22, I believe it's right around verse 18, having made peace with his blood. I want to say this is a saving peace. It's a saving peace. 
If you make peace with God God's way, you'll be saved. If you try it any other way, you're lost. If you try to bring your religion and make peace with God, it won't work. If you're trying to balance out the scale of works, good versus bad, it won't work. If you're trying to be a philanthropist, it will not work. Only the blood of Christ will bring peace. Turn to Romans chapter 5. We're almost done. Romans chapter 5. I warned you people that if you come at 1030, the sermon's always longer. I have no deadline. I preach till my tummy rumbles. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, listen to this, we have peace, not the peace of God, we have peace with God. Hey, that's important. I want to have the peace of God. I really do. But I know that I'll survive certain situations even if I'm running in my own fear. But I'll go to hell if I don't have peace with God. I'll go to hell if I don't have peace with God. So he says, look what he says, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Without knowing peace with God, how could you possibly know the peace of God? John chapter 16 verse 33 says this. These things have I spoken unto you that in me, Jesus Christ speaking, ye might have peace. Acts 10.36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. How do we have peace with God? Through Jesus Christ alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes on the Father but by him. The Bible says in John chapter 17 that Jesus is the way of peace. You'll never have peace with God unless you accept the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made at Calvary. His blood was shed to make peace. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. Let me give you a couple more verses while we think on these things this morning. The Bible says in 1 Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 11, speaking to the believer, he says, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace. It's a direct quote from the book of Psalms. Romans chapter 14, verse 19, he says, Paul says to this to the church of Rome, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. There's one more alliteration that we have, and that's to seek peace. If you're a child of God today, you are called to seek peace. You're called to follow after peace. What does that mean? That means engage yourself in this relationship with Jesus Christ. Not, not, just, not just surface, not just a church spoon-feeding you a sermon three times a week, but having a real meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, probably all of you have that friend that you can call no matter what. Middle of the night, it doesn't matter. Somebody that you can count on. Hey, Jesus is that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And if you have a relationship with him, you don't have to worry about 
when you call upon him, how you call upon him, what you call upon him for. But by seeking that relationship, you can have a peace that passes all understanding, a sustaining peace that keeps our minds and our hearts through Jesus Christ. You wonder how you're going to hold everything together? That's how. He keeps your hearts and minds. Maybe there's somebody here today saying, you know what, I don't even have the peace with God. I have tried to satisfy God. I have tried to have a relationship with God, but I've tried it in my own way, through religion, through works, through being a good person. The Bible is very plain. He made peace through the blood of the cross. He paid the price. You don't have to do anything except trust in Romans 5, chapter 1, says we have access by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. You just have to believe that Jesus Christ did everything necessary to cover your sins, to pay the price for your sins, that you might have peace with God. But you have to trust him today. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe there's one here today say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. I've never made peace with God. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I want to help you today. So one, not sure I'm saved. I want to be sure today that I have peace with God. Maybe there's some believers here today say, I need the peace of God. I need to draw closer to him that I can know his presence in my life and I can have that unmistakable, overwhelming peace that passes all understanding because I have his spirit guiding me. The altar is open. If God spoke to your heart, if you would like to pray where you are, that's fine as well. Let's speak with the Lord.